Hey everybody, welcome back to Megan's old office here at Dundee Presbyterian Church. Shut up. Are you sure? <laughs> Why are you laughing Are you at me? sure oh, it's Megan's old great. office? Uh, this is how it's going to be. Uh, my name is J.D. Gorlett. I'm the senior pastor here at Dundee Presbyterian Church. Keith, you're mocking me. Only You can slightly. just go ahead and, and, and introduce slightly. yourself. This is Keith Holmes, the director of missions and small groups. I was going to introduce you. But but I have I have but I'm gr- not well I have been I've garnered your disdain. He was laughing at say. me because I stuttered well, and we've had problems. This is our third or fourth take. Yeah, at right, this, exactly. Folks. So we're, you, we're we're going we're going strong. Don't look behind the curtain; right. it will be disturbing. We are uh, continuing our series on the Psalms. This is, I know for a fact, episode number eleven. How about that? So there are ten other episodes for you to check out, and we hope that you will. The Psalms are fantastic. They are one of the most unique and blessed, wonderful, rich parts of Scripture. There's 150 psalms. I mentioned that. You may not know that. They're all unique and different. They're also tough to categorize because there's a lot of similarity. There's a lot of overlap, isn't there, uh, of messaging between them? Mostly because these are written in situations that arise as humans and you know, I love the saying, there's nothing new under the sun. Right. Because all of these psalms are of situations that we ourselves find ourselves in today. Right. So if you ever say, if you ever hear someone say, oh, the Bible's just a dead book or it's a book of the old times and doesn't have any relevance, that's not true at all. Open to Psalms and start reading one and you will see that they're, they the have truth. so much to say to us. It's the truth. It's amazing. And so Keith and I were like, okay, how do we want to do a, a show, a series on the Psalms. Okay, problem. How do you do that? You could do 150 shows, <laughs> one on each Psalm. You could do that. That's We'd have be, killed each other that, by the end of that one. Yeah, that's three years worth of shows. So that we didn't. So then, okay, then do you take five at a time, ten at a time? Right. Okay, fine. Do you do all of them? These are tough questions, and I mention this to you because every week we we've got we've decided on a category, we've decided on a theme, and chosen psalms that speak we think to that theme. But we admit, I will be the first to admit that making those choices, it, it's not an exact science. Nope. Like today, the, the the category or the theme is is deliverance, to be delivered from trouble, to, to, that God right. is our deliverer. Right. Well, out of 150 Psalms, how many do you figure could meet that category? A lot, I'm guessing. Yes, I mean, it's it's certainly a, most of David's Psalms, the first 50 are all about his troubles and oh, sure. asking for deliverance. So, so. We, we've chosen we've chosen what four psalms: yep. uh, Psalm one twenty one, and then Psalms one forty two, one forty three, and one forty four. That's our choices. Those right. are our choices to speak to the idea of deliverance. And each time we're asking the same four questions, although Keith and I have a tendency to talk all around these four questions, but these are good psalm questions to ask yourself when you're reading the psalms. One, what? just read a psalm and then say, before you read the psalm, ask yourself, what lines speak to you? And why do those speak to you? That alone, that question alone is going to cause you to read the Psalms really well. If you, if you in your own time, and we hope that you take your time to read a Psalm or two today, just ask yourself that question. I'm going to read this Psalm, and which, which line 
right. jumps out to me. What, which one says something to me? And then why does, does it say something? Kind of the same as going to an art museum. Is like, I see all these works of art, and this one work of art... Right, above all others. Because they're all great. Right. But this one speaks to me more than the others. But why? And because then you're going to learn about yourself. Right. And then we ask the question, when in your history have you been in this psalm? Have you, your life, it, it seems like it's been in there. How is the psalmist similar and different from you, the psalmist being the author? And then how would you pray this psalm? Uh, you can pray it word for word or you can paraphrase it either way. It's a good practice. But we start with the question, Keith. I put it to you, Keith. Yes. Uh, when, was, uh, when was it good for you to quit? Was there ever a moment in your life when it was you quit, and right. man, that was a really good idea? Well, I think so. I mean, I used to smoke. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Another peel, piece of the onion. Right? Yeah, exactly. Peel another layer there off. There you go. Yep. In my, in my late teens and early 20s, yeah. I smoked. Yeah. yeah. Or, as most of my friends say, I didn't smoke so much as bummed. Because mm. I'm, I was, I was constantly asking, "Hey, you got a cigarette?" And I know I'd buy a pack occasionally, but and I was outraged when they got to a buck fifty, or oh, they broke the dollar mark, and then they got to a buck fifty before I quit. But you know, I was, I wouldn't say I was smoking a pack a day, but I was close. Yeah, and you know, it was. Uh, all the science out now, all of the things that they've got out now that show the direct link between right. that and cancer, it's amazing that industry still exists. Right. But for me, it really was the love of a good woman because my girlfriend at the time told me either I quit smoking or I stopped kissing her. <laughs> and Because kissing me was like licking an ashtray were her words. <laughs> And my wife of 30 years now will tell you I quit smoking. We're going to have to edit this show out really hard. Not at all. Uh, you know, uh, so that was your motivation. Well, so there was a moment. Kissing a girl, oh, dude. What, what, how many stories begin with I kissed a girl and this then this happened? But no, but seriously... <laughs> Oh, he has lost it, ladies and gentlemen. He, hey, I'm not talking about my driving, at least. Right. But seriously, folks, the the, the fact that my my girlfriend asked me to stop smoking, and, and this I is knew, his wife. and that is my wife, yeah. and I and I knew she was absolutely right, yeah. and and. But it's great that you reached the crossroads. Uh, the, it was like the flow chart. Do I want to ever be kissed ever again? And the answer was yes. Yes, so that yes led I to do. You. So the next thing was, well, then I'm going to have to you, you, quit yeah. smoking. There I, you I am bright red right now, ladies no, and you're gentlemen. Not. I you're am proud of blushing furiously. Walking around here. proudly. When was it a good time for you to quit? For me, it was a good time for me to quit my last job, uh, the job that I had before I, I came here. I quit uh, my last job, and it was so good to do that. Um, it was such a terrible situation for me and my family, and uh, mm. there were people who tried uh, to uh, uh, f force me out of my job, and they failed. In fact, I even tried to help them to force me out of the job, and they were so bad at forcing me out of my job <laughs> that they failed. Uh, all they did was just create terrible damage uh, uh. to a, a whole church by doing that. There was a couple of people that were... And, yeah. and they, they just created a, a terrible environment. And so 
it was it was good for me after about two weeks of that uh, conflict and turmoil just to quit. And it was good for me. And it was good for for a whole situation there. One of the points here is that that I want to make by asking that question is that uh, we ha- I think become convinced that quitting is always bad. Right. And that is not true. Mm-hmm. And when we're talking about the topic of deliverance, of God delivering us, we're talking about God helping us to quit a situation, mm-hmm. helping us to get out of a situation by, by quitting us out of it. We're, it, it we, maybe we quit it, uh, and maybe he provides us the strength or the wisdom to do it. Sometimes he just quits it for us. Yeah. And and so this whole American thing of you know never winners, give up. Never, yeah. winners never quit and quitters never win. Right. Okay, that's true sometimes. Perseverance, there's something to be said for perseverance, but there are a lot of times where you just flat, hey, I gotta walk away from this. I have to walk away from this. Yeah. Because you know, and there are other places in my life, obviously, besides that one that I, I chose the, the more humorous road, but very much like yours, where it was just a matter of if I stay in this situation. I will be in a much worse place than I've ever, you know, and, and, and I don't think God wants to take me there. God wants me to remove myself from this, wants to be, you know, this needs to be quit, whatever it right, is. And, right. and, and, and yeah, absolutely. The, the whole deal there is, is that you can't keep going. Yeah. I, I always liken it to beating your head against a brick wall. Mm-hmm. The wall ain't going to give, <laughs> right. right? Right. And so you just have to give up. You have to quit. And and I was that way. I, I had a dad who was a real jock, and that was very much in my life. Quitters never win and winners never quit, right. you know, through my life. And it's taken God some time to say no, yeah. you know, work through my thicker skull. Because I beat my head against a lot of walls, apparently, when right. I was growing up. But, yeah, through my, through me, you know, through just my life he's he's taught me yeah keith it's okay to walk away right yeah right and and uh spiritually there are so many situations where um the blessings of god are available to you the mm-hmm. whole time but you've got to quit something in order to receive them it's not yeah. like they're not there it's like they're there waiting for you just to partake of them but mm-hmm. you can't partake of them until you quit this entire pattern, and it may be a pattern. We talked a little bit about this last night at Bible study. It may be a pattern that, man, you've been working for hundreds of years. We, last night we talked about Pentecost, about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And, mm-hmm. and in order for the, pe- the people of that time to receive the Holy Spirit, that was a completely different and new paradigm. It was consistent with Old Testament scriptures. It, right. was, old, it was consistent with prophecy and all that kind of stuff. Yep. But the Holy Spirit had never been with them in that form, and nope. that meant, okay, even though this is coming consistently from that tradition, it's also altering the tradition. Right. And so I need to keep the, condi- the tradition to a certain extent or the principles of the tradition, but I also have to quit the tradition, right. quit the rituals in order to receive the Spirit. Right. It, it's, it, it's interesting. And not only that, but also accept into my paradigm Others that I have been taught my whole life not to accept, because we talked about the Hellenists or yeah, the Greek, right. the Greek Christians complaining about not being treated the same way as the Jewish Christians, right. and and you know, so it, you could see that being done. So I have to quit 
an entire mindset, right? And and I'm hate to, I hate to say it, but a, a mindset of superiority, yes. Because we are the chosen of God, right? And how many of us as Christians have to quit that, right? I mean, we have to quit saying, "Oh, well, we're the children of God, and therefore we're better than you." Um, hopefully, we don't do that. I don't think we do that around here. But a lot of Christians I've known pretty easy tend to, to get judgy well, and get, yeah, to get a little. It's pretty a little easy bit. to fall into that, definitely. Yeah, so yeah. we're talking about being delivered. We need to be deliverance. From, yeah. we're, we're, we're talking about being delivered. That means being taken out of something, being delivered out of, uh, being rescued would be right. would be a, a, a similar thing. And we saw. Yeah. And so I chose. We chose Psalm one twenty one, Psalm one forty two, one forty three, and one forty four. And the first question is, what lines speak to you and why? And Psalm 121 is, begins with this, is one of my favorite psalms. It's a very familiar psalm. It's not very long. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Yep. From where will my help come? I want to tell a real quick story. Hopefully I can do it in 30 seconds. We were in Vail, Colorado. There's, a, there's an assembly spot at the top of Vail Mountain there. It's kind of like a... It's not, I wouldn't say it's an amphitheater. It's just some seats. Mm-hmm. And, and we were up there, my family, and my uncle was with us, and this was a few years ago. And it, you're looking out over the mountains and all that kind of stuff. Oh, and, and he goes, uh, he calls me Rev, short for Reverend. Hey, Rev, uh, uh, preach us a sermon up there because we it it's a place where you could get married, right. and, and you're just looking at the mountains. It would be a great place to get married. And he preaches a sermon. I'm like... Man, I got nothing prepared. I'm a Presbyterian. I need hours to put this together. <laughs> All I did was read this psalm. I lift up my eyes to the hills from where will my help come from. And I talked about the fact, and there were people, strangers, that, that sat down and started listening to this. I went for like 10 minutes, and it was like, hills are glorious as we look at them. But we also know that when we're going through the hills, like the pioneers did on wagons and wagon trains, Hills were just a nightmare. You know, right. it was just terrible to get through. And you'd all go miles out of your way to see if you could find a way around them. Absolutely, they're yeah. a great analogy of the difficulties of life. They are beautiful to look at, mm-hmm. and that's an analogy of life. You know, but of, of celebration and of joy. But to go through them is an analogy of the difficulties of life. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so I talked about, I riffed on both of those things. Like, okay, as we sit here, and we don't have to go through the mountains. It's beautiful, but as we go through the mountains, we realize, man, I can't make. It on my own. I need yep. to be delivered from deliverance from the mountains. You yep. know what I'm saying? Yes. And where and, and I'm confronted with the question of where's my help come from? My help comes from uh, the Lord, uh, the Maker of heaven and earth. In other words, the the one who made the mountains and set the mountains in their spot is the one who's going to deliver me from the mountains. The one who brought the difficulty and brought the challenge into my life is also the one who is going to deliver me. And I was like, that's the lesson. God brings the hardship into your life. It's not the, and we we don't think that. We just, we make the mistake of thinking that God only gives us good things all the time. No, no, he brings mountains into our lives that are intimidating, they're frightening, they cause us to wonder whether or not we're going to make it. And yet, that the, he brings that difficulty, but he also provides us a way through it, right? And gets a, it, it, he's our deliverer. Also, it's both and, not yep. either or. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. I, I I laugh at the fact that we just refuse to accept his help or, or his his gift of getting us through it, his deliverance. We'll look at the problem. We'll look at the hill and go, oh, "It's too big for me." Oh, I can't do it. Oh, I can't do it. And God's sitting there going, well, yeah, but I'm here. Yeah. I'm, I'm here to help. 
right. let me carry you through this child and and we still you know and how much of society does that yeah. and, you know and on just oh god god would you know god doesn't give you more than you can handle which i know is one of your favorite expressions well, we're going to talk about that next week i oh, think yeah. uh, you know so yeah. uh, but we'll wait on we'll wait on that then but you know it's that same thing it's just like how are we not accepting God's deliverance? How are we not crying out? You you mentioned you you know those two. I liked from Psalm one forty two the line, "Bring me out of prison so that I may give thanks to your name." Yeah, wow. I mean, and it's not you know it's like, well, I've never been in prison, haven't you? Mm-hmm. For me, prison is at three o'clock in the morning when my mind won't shut off. <laughs> And I'm laying in bed trying not to wake up my wife. And, Mental and, prison. And, and just, I'm in prison because I'm like, I can't get back to sleep. The worry is just compounding and I'm just, and I'm trapped. Yeah. And you try, you know, and, and physically getting up and walking around the house, anything. Right. You know, and, 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 you know, I sit there and I do, I call out on the Lord, God, help me out of this prison. Help me understand what I need to do tomorrow or today or whatever, you know, to, to get past this time. That's a really an interesting, great line. I didn't highlight, thank you for bringing that up. To be delivered by God, I think what you're saying there is in it that, 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 uh, uh, what I was saying about the mountains is that we have to realize that the maker of the mountains, the maker of the obstacle is also our deliverer. But the right. point you're making there for me is that you also have to call out to that deliverer right. that th- he's able to deliver, but you have to recognize that you need to be delivered from it and, cl- and be willing to ask for that help. And, and also he will deliver. You know, it's not that he's just able, but he will eventually get you through. Right. But how much easier, how much harder is it do we make it on ourselves when we don't call out? I mean, I'm, there have been nights where I just wake up and I go sit in my chair in the living room and I start playing a game on my phone or something, and I'm done sleeping for the night because I can't Your get back. Your brain is on. Yeah, and I just can't get back to sleep. But there are other times where I sit there and I say, okay, God, what do we need to get to do here? And, you know, by 3.30, I've, jotten, I've taken notes. You know, I type up some things. and I, My favorite thing is to send myself an email, <laughs> you know? You, you type up some notes in an email, you send it. I know what I'm going to do tomorrow morning. I'm going to get up, I'm going to look at my email, right. right? So I know that. So I'll type up some notes and I put it, and I put the phone down. And I mean, pretty much as soon as I put that phone down, boom, I'm out again like a light. Right. So a half an hour you've, you've gotten that versus out of your... the rest of the day, right. right? You know, it's just, but it takes that moment for me. Yes, I could say that I did it, right? I could say, oh, yeah, I, I just thought I needed to sit up and type myself some notes. But it's not, because left to my own devices, I just grind mm-hmm. at it. But when I take those notes, when I send myself that email, I'm like, that's... You feel like God inspires you right. to do and that. Right, and I feel like I've been brought out of prison. You I know what's... Freedom. You know what's really interesting to me is that, uh, as you talked about that, is, is that I think a lot of us, I mean, most of us, would say, well, why does God put the mountains in our way? Why does God create the prison or create the possibility of being in prison or maybe even sends us to prison? Right. And prison is an analogy from Scripture that repeats itself in multiple places. Right. So do the mountains, and there's others that are analogies of difficulty. And I think a lot of us human beings would say, well, but why in the world, if God loves us, why wouldn't he 
just prevent that from even happening. Right. Not even yes. create those things. Why does a good God let dot dot dot? Why did he put happen? the tree? Why did he put yeah. the tree in the Garden of Eden exactly. if he didn't want anybody to eat from it and all this kind of stuff? And but the answer is always the same, isn't it? Is like the mountains and being confronted with the mountains confronts us with with whether or not we're going to ask for help, right. whether or not we're going to truly turn to the one who created the mountains and is therefore greater than the mountains, whether we're going to turn to him for deliverance. And, 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 it and starts same with, with the prison analogy. Right. Okay. He, he loves to hear you call out to him. Absolutely. He loves to hear you. You're his child. Right. He loves you, and he loves to hear you say, God, Daddy, help me, help you, me. If you have ever been in a situation where you're a parent, you know that exact feeling when you hear your kid call your name, right. mom or dad. And when and you that, hear that, that word, you just it stirs. But isn't that so much better than than to not have those obstacles at all? A world where we didn't have that intimidation. Right. Now, our assumption is, is that that would be a better world, a world without any of these... Right? Right. And then right. we even complain to God that those things are in, but those are the things that cause us to say, I need to be delivered. You know, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to pull back, I'm going to, I'm going to take us back to Exodus and in a world where God gave us manna, the bread of heaven, Yes, they still complained about it. Yeah. Humans are never going to be happy no matter what. Yeah. And so... You know, and and sometimes God allows the mountains to be that. I mean, we make our own mountains, yeah. in my opinion. You know, too. God certainly brings them into our lives, and certainly does that sort of thing where He's like, "No, I want you to call to me, child. I want you to. I'm I'm here with you, and I want you to see that." And and I get that, but you know, I when you when you talk about it, it's like, why aren't we? It's like. It's because we're idiots. Because just people aren't that bright in general, right? And so we're just spiritually hard-hearted, we stubborn. Are. It's amazing. We are. Uh, uh, yeah. So how far on those mountains? How am I going to go? How long are you going to spend in prison before you finally say, you know, I might want to talk to Jesus about getting exactly. out of this? Exactly. And maybe that was. Maybe this is the point. Is 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 to is that I am supposed to be delivered? Uh, I think we from answered this. question two already. When Pretty, in the, our history have we been in these psalms? Right, I mean, for me, I told you three thirty, three o'clock in the morning. When I can't get back to sleep, I'm in this psalm. I'm, well, I'm sitting there going, "God, help! Please get me out of prison here." Yeah, I would also answer that question. When in your history have you been in this psalm? There are huge moments in my life where mm -hmm. I've been in the psalm where I've needed to be delivered from some kind of a really a tough thing, uh, relationship-wise or uh, you know uh, occupation-wise uh, or, or health-wise right. or whatever. Uh, there, those those are situations where oh my gosh, I've got I, I've never had cancer, but my wife had stage three cancer, and and, and you know the idea of being delivered from that it, it was very mm -hmm. real there. But you know, all of, of the time, <laughs> every day, there's so many things that from which I need to be delivered from. It just moments of incredible pride, moments mm -hmm. of incredible. Um, of self-righteousness, yep. uh, where, and then how far do I go? You, you and I, before the show, we were talking about how wonderful self-righteousness tastes. Oh, yes. I mean, so self-righteousness tastes like a milk dud, doesn't it? It's just yummy. 
But it isn't like a milk that it's just is not good for you at all. I mean, how am I going? How long am I going to go with that drinking, just chugging down that yep. self righteousness before I'm like, oh my god, See? Lord, you've got to, del- you got to deliver me on to humility because I am not going to get to humility. We are not going on our own. I'm not going there. And how hard I don't is even it? know how to get there. But how I can't ha- even find it on a map, Keith. How know? hard is that trip if we don't turn to God? Yeah. Because. Being humbled is a hard thing to do. Yes, and it and it's a very painful tumble down a hill. Yes, is I, that's what I liken it to. Is you can go quickly and easily, yeah, right down the hill. You can make your way down the hill, or you can fight your way. But your gravity will always win, yes. and you will always tumble down that hill. You will always go down that hill to where you're. Ha- you're, hum- you're, you're humiliated. You've been brought into humility. This brings me to uh, this, this third question that we've, we've played with a little bit, but I don't think we've done in these episodes enough with this third mm-hmm. question. And the, the question is, how is the psalmist? And it, for those of you who don't know, that's a, weird, a different word, psalmist, means the author of the psalm, right. the psalmist. Uh, how is the one who wrote this psalm, the psalmist, similar and different from you? And and I think in most of these shows, I could probably give the same answer, and I'll be interested to hear your reflection or your reaction to this. The, the, the ones who write the Psalms, and there's 150 of them, and David, I think, writes like 80 of them, hmm. uh, something like that. He writes the vast majority. So we're basically asking, but we're not just asking. We're asking, how is David different from you? Um, but we're not, it, there's multiple people who write Psalms. Um, how is the psalmist different from you? Um, I think he, the psalmist is in Psalm 121, 40, 142, 143, and 144, which are the psalms we're looking at today. As on most days, it seems as if the psalmist is, is, is more, uh, uh, what, comfortable mm. with being honest about himself. Right, yeah. Is, uh, yeah, I think uh, you're right. Well, yeah, he's in a he's in a position where he can do nothing but cry out. Sometimes he's similar to me because he's fe- every time I read a psalm, and this is the value. And Keith was talking about this early uh, in, in, when we opened the show. I mean, yeah. Man, if you can't find yourself in the psalms, I mean, you're just not trying hard enough. You were right. kind of making reference to that. So he's the, 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 whoever wrote the psalm is similar to me in that they're experiencing spiritual and life situations that I face, but I, they're different from me in that they do a better job of going to God with words, they, mm-hmm. they, with, with uh, an expression of what they say. I mean, if you look at it, I lift, the, you know, uh, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where will my help come from? Uh, he, you know, he goes to that line so much quickly and so much more clearly than I do. In Psalm 142, with my voice, I cry to the Lord. With my voice, I make supplication to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. Uh, when my spirit is faint, you know my way. I mean, the psalmist puts words to these places in these moments of intimidation and despair so much more uh, freely than mm-hmm. I do. He calls out in Psalm 144, uh, he says, rescue me from the cruel sword. Now, he's more, the psalmist is more talented than I am at, at wordsmithing. Yeah. Would, would but, I ever say, rescue me from the sword? Well, maybe you, know, you, uh, you ought to be. He, in Psalm 143, he says, For the enemy has pursued me, crushing my life to the ground, making me sit in darkness like those long dead. Yeah. That's an admission that I'm going to have. 
he admits something there that, I don't know, I'd have to be practically pushed for six months to finally say that I even have an enemy and right. that I'm crushed to the ground. I've just got too much pride to, to admit that. And really? yet admitting that, getting to that point, is the beginning of healing. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, so uh, your comment on, on that, how, how the psalmist is similar I, I, and different I went from you. Similar, similar in, the, the, in the line in, one, in Psalm 143, do not enter judgment with your servant, or do not enter into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. I, I mean, those are the words of my heart. It's like, God, don't, don't, don't beat me up too bad, you know, mm-hmm. or don't enter judgment enter into judgment for, on me, because... I know I can't be as good as you. I know I'm not. I mean, we talked about that tumble down the hill to humility. God gets me humble real quick, right? right? He makes me humble very quickly when I compare myself to him. And my problem, of course, always is that I don't. So, you know, what? how am I different? I don't compare myself to God enough. I compare myself to others. I compare myself to <laughs> the way word. I used to be, right? Yeah. You know, so how am I going... I must going... be going to heaven because I'm God. ahead of JD. Exactly. Well, that's a, you know, I have always said that's a pretty low bar if you and I are the bar, buddy. <laughs> we're, we're, uh, we're, don't, don't set your standards to us. Right. But, but, you know, for, for me that, that I feel, you know, I feel like that's like, God... If I remember, help me remember, I'm not as righteous as you. No one is as righteous as you. Yeah. So make, you know, make it apparent to me and keep that in my mind because I don't want to go into your judgment. I don't want to be judged by you because it will cause pain. Um, one of the things I highlighted in Psalm 144, I, I, I don't know if pursuant to what, but I really loved, may our sons in their, may our sons in their youth be like plants full grown, our daughters like corner pillars cut for the building of a palace. Both of those images are strong, wonderful images. But I saw it and I said, well, what do you do with full grown plants? You harvest them. How do you get a pillar out of a block of stone? You cut it. You carve it. You carve it. These are, there will be consequences in our deliverance, especially if we get into a situation of our own making by simply ignoring God, by simply saying, God, I don't want to, you know, putting your fingers in your ears and saying, la, 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 or, you know, this yeah. is as humorous as that sounds. But we put ourselves into these situations. And then finally, we cry out for deliverance, but there will always be consequences. Yes. And so, and our changes del- to our. Lies. And isn't that a painful, I mean, that the carving away of stone, the harvesting of good, I mean, corn in a field, and we're in the middle of Nebraska here, or, you know, we're in the middle of corn country here. Corn in a field is only potential. Yes. It isn't until it is harvested. And if you've ever seen the blades on a harvester, and everyone in the, every farmer I've ever met who knows I'm a city slicker says, stay away from that end of the harvester key, because they know that's the sharp end. And again, that's a metaphor that the Bible uses up on a number of occasions. We want to encourage you to pray the Psalms. This is our last question. We're, we're, We're about to close out here. And you can pray the Psalms word for word, and that'd be a good exercise. Or Amen. you can paraphrase. And and to me, it, it harkens it, it is to the subject of deliverance. 
uh, the great author, Presbyterian minister Eugene Peterson, who's really uh, you know an icon for me, he made the point that the, the number one topic of the Psalms is God. The number two topic of the Psalms is enemies. And as I look at at Psalm 143 in the context of deliverance, um, if you read that in your own time, and we hope that you will, the word enemies is in there. He, uh, mm-hmm. the, again, the, uh, Eugene Peterson's right. The psalmist acknowledges that he has enemies and that he needs to be delivered from his enemies for the enemy has pursued me, crushing my life to the ground, making me sit in darkness like those long dead to pray like that, to pray from that spirit of admitting that you have enemies, that uh, that's, that, that's a good thing. That is the beginning of experiencing God's power in your life in a way that that, that you wouldn't ordinarily do. Absolutely. Amen. I mean, I I think we're going to be talking about that in our next show too. At least I had, I had planned to talk a little bit about the enemies and the fact that we have them and, and the fact that God can deliver us from them. But, and I'll leave you with this thought. My, my greatest enemy is myself. Yeah, look in the mirror. (laughs) We've met the enemy and they are us. Exactly. Uh, Check out Psalm 121, 142, 143, and 144. Think about deliverance. Think about God delivering you from wherever you are. Uh, Could there possibly... It doesn't make logical sense that there could be a problem that's bigger than God. Amen. Just think about that. Whatever you got. This has been uh, Megan's Old Office. I'm J.D., I'm Keith, and we are happy to have you with us. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Megan's Old Office, brought to you by Dundee Presbyterian Church. Please like, subscribe, and share so you and your friends can keep up with us every time we post. You can learn more about us and our church at dpcomaha.org. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash DPC Omaha or on Instagram at Megan's Old Office. You can contact us through email at Megan's Old Office at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening today. We truly appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Bye bye.